0: Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, B.C. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. Hey, you made it. This is Christmas Sunday, and I even wore my, my spiffy clothes today. It's funny, some of you aren't used to seeing your pastor wearing a jacket anymore, hey? Well, thanks for commenting on my jacket. I'm glad you like it. I'm going to wear, well, I, I'm hoping to wear, did you know I have like a, the same jacket I wear every Christmas? Has anyone noticed that? You know, it's like, it's like, it's become a tradition. Lisa's trying to break that tradition this year. So you'll have to see. If I wear the black jacket with the stripes, you know I won, OK? If it's something else, Mrs. Moore has had her way. Uh, Hey, because it's Christmas Sunday, we've been in this series that kind of leads to this moment. We're really excited about Christmas Eve, and we approach that, you know, as, a, as an event, and I'm so happy that you can come to one of those, uh, those services. But today kind of ends the series that we've been in. And I would say if I had sort of like a, a, you know, a macro goal with the message today, it would be that we would just elevate Jesus a little bit higher, that Jesus would become the king of glory in our thinking and in our hearts uh, this week as we we move toward Christmas. So I want to uh, read from Isaiah. And then I'm going to read from Matthew, which has kind of been our key text. And then I'm going to read a little bit from Luke. And, and what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of weave together this picture of Jesus as the king, the king of glory. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, join with me in Isaiah 7:14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And we know that this This word Emmanuel means God with us. I think it's important to note that it's God himself who brings the sign. God himself is the sign. Jesus arrives as God with us. And this means that perfection has arrived. Amen? What is perfect has arrived to save mankind. So, Um, We've been tracking kind of the journey of the Magi and as they were looking for Jesus. And so uh, I want to take you to kind of the the key verse, the one key verse we've used throughout the whole series. It's Matthew 2.11. It says, On coming to the house, they saw the child, this is Jesus, with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we've talked about myrrh and frankincense, and today we're going to talk about gold. We saved gold for Christmas Sunday, and I've been uh, kind of attaching those three gifts that were given to the three offices of Jesus' earthly life, and that is that Jesus came as prophet, as priest, and as king. And again, when we look across the landscape of the world and generations, there have been other prophets There have been other priests and there's been other kings. So the fact that Jesus had those offices is not what makes it special. What makes it special is that he's the only one person that fulfilled all three of those offices. That's the one thing. And, And the second thing is that he did it perfectly. He did it perfectly, friends. And that's what's so beautiful about the work of Jesus. So the prophet brings God to the people. He hears from God, tells the people what God is saying. The priest brings the people to God. Come on, let's go and let's see the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Let's pray to the Lord. Let's go and worship him at the temple. And a king, God's king, rules with justice and righteousness on God's behalf. And so Jesus fulfills these three offices perfectly. And so today we're gonna talk about the gold brought to the king, Jesus. And so I want you to see that Jesus is and was the most unique king that this world has ever seen. So now let's back up a little bit in the story. We just read verse 11 of Matthew 2. Let's go back to verses 1 and 2, and let's look at at, uh, the arrival of the Magi in Jerusalem. Here's what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, so there was a king at this time, Magi from the east, Came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about these magi that they've come from Persia. Uh, they came from the east. They would have come because they had seen the star rise. This was the star that's spoken of in Numbers 24, Jacob's star, it's called there. And they saw the star and they had listened to the teachings or had seen the scrolls or wherever it was written down that Daniel, who was in exile in Babylon and then in Persia, would have written down and they put together the pieces to discover that this was the time when the Messiah was to be born so they came to look for him and uh, it's important to note that when they arrived there, what they said is there's a new king in town. And you can imagine that that has an effect on an established kingdom that's already there. So in verse 3, we, it says, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So King Herod's disturbed, and Jerusalem is disturbed. Let's look at that for just a minute. Herod was disturbed. Well, we can understand why. He's the king. And now all of a sudden, someone else shows up. In fact, they say there is someone who is born king of the Jews. Now, that would have really scared Herod. Number one, it would have scared him because he was not the rightful heir. In fact, he was an Edomite. He was not a Jew. And so because he wasn't born Jewish, he didn't carry the loyalty that was necessary to maintain his power, so he did other things to maintain his power. He was tough on the people, but he was also incredibly generous with the people. He was a master builder. He is the antithesis of an evil genius. Really, he was. And so he built beautiful, um, uh, beautiful palaces and beautiful gardens and beautiful gates and, and, and beautified the whole region, but he also built a beautiful temple. And he did this to try to win the people over because he couldn't be their rightful king. He had to be their king by choice. And they despised him. And so when this one who is born king, in other words, he's Jewish by descent, he's born king, this created some disturbance for Herod. Another reason why is because Herod was ruthless and suspicious. And he was so ruthless that he would kill his own sons. Why? Because he was suspicious of them potentially trying to take over his kingdom. And so he was worried about being overthrown all the time. So that's part of the disturbance as well. He was scared. Third idea here is that the Jews were very religious. And so if one comes who was religious in nature, he would not be able to compete And so he was worried about the religious gathering around this new religious leader. And this made him very, very nervous. And one of the other reasons, this is the fourth reason, was that these magi came from Persia. And at the time of the Roman Empire in this day, the second strongest kingdom was the Persian kingdom. And so there was this concern about the shifting of powers That all of a sudden, these magi show up and say, you're not the king. This guy is the king. And Herod had worked so hard to create his loyalty to Caesar. He built cities called Caesarea and Caesarea Philippi so that he could gain the support of Rome. He was a puppet leader to Rome. And if the Persian Empire was to shift the power, the kingdom would come out from underneath him. So for many reasons, Herod was disturbed. But it also says that all Jerusalem was disturbed as well. And I think it's important to understand that this word disturbed is used in a very general sense. There were some that were concerned, the religious leaders who had political powers and had negotiated their way into uh, extremely powerful positions, they were concerned about losing their power. But for the masses, for the people, Of Israel. Many saw the coming of this new king as a spiritual awakening. They saw it as an incredible moment in history where their longing may be actually realized in this new king who is bringing to them new hope. You know, the interesting thing is the coming of Jesus into our lives, the coming of Jesus, the confrontation. In our own lives, of being presented with the reality of Jesus still causes disturbances today. Isn't that interesting to think about? You get Jesus involved and there are disturbances. What is it that's disturbing to us about Jesus as King? Some of the disturbances negative, some positive. But when we think about the negative disturbances, we're facing a dilemma. When King Jesus shows up in our lives, we have to face the reality that we both can't be king. That's hard, isn't it? That's a reality for us. Somebody's got to be dethroned here. Because the, the, the throne just isn't large enough for the both of us. And so, in some ways, the disturbance is because we have to surrender surrender to the rule of this king, King Jesus. And it's difficult for us to give up control when it comes to our own lives. The second negative disturbance is this means that there might be changes. When a new king shows up, things change. And some of us resist change. Others of us love change if we're the ones initiating it, right? Right? But when change is thrown on us, when it's thrust upon us, when we don't have any choice, when all of a sudden we are not the initiator, we can resist that. And and the truth is, Jesus did come. He said, the kingdom of God is here. He said, I'm bringing new wine that requires a new wineskin. There was this need for change. And so even in our own lives, when Jesus shows up, he says, hey, I love you too much not to change you. I love you too much not to see your life adjusted and 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 improved. And so that's a process that we have to understand can be negative at times when, when we're facing like, hey, wait a second, not sure I love change. Another thought is this. We can be concerned that Jesus might impose something upon us that we do not like. That all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I have to I have to now give myself over to something new. I have to embrace something or give something away that I really want to keep. And and the truth is, is what we do in our culture, is we just make Jesus pocket-sized. And that seems to help with this concern. We don't want too powerful or influential of a Jesus. We want a pocket-sized Jesus the one who loves but doesn't lead, right? I want that Jesus. And the truth is what we see in the scripture, what we see in this moment is that the the proclamation is not that he's a a, a deep lover. The truth is that he's a, a strong and mighty king. And that requires allegiance. And so it's disturbing when we face the reality of a Jesus who simply doesn't fit in our pockets. But there's a positive aspect to this as well a positive aspect to this reality of the disturbance of Jesus and the positive aspect is for some of you maybe even here today you're going Andy I need change I long for change I'm not happy with where I am I don't enjoy life the way it is I want something new and I want you to know that King Jesus comes and brings transformation can someone say amen to that I mean, the disturbance can also be really positive in the long run because, see, initially, the disturbance can feel like a disruption, but ultimately, it brings incredible peace. And you know, um, I was talking to a friend and he said it this way Jesus really messes you up in a good way. Hey, isn't that true? I mean, man, he's not going to leave things the way they were, but I want you to know that it's better with Jesus. Amen? It's better with Jesus. So, you know, we're talking about the disturbance, and Jesus as king still causes, you know, challenge for us. But I started with an earlier thought, and that was that Jesus is the most unique king that's ever lived in all the world. And I want to talk about that now for a minute. Why is it that Jesus is such a unique king? Uh, There's many reasons why, but let me give you a few. The first one I'll give you is this. Because he was born a perfect king. And not just a perfect king in a heavenly sense, but also in an earthly sense. I want you to see this. As the angel speaks to Mary in Luke chapter 1 about the coming of Jesus, this is what the angel says. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. So if you know Israel's history, you know that David was the the beloved king of the nation. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. And so... This, he was the perfect example of the earthly king. Didn't do everything perfectly, but he was, he was the king, and, and the promise came to him that he'd always have a descendant on the throne. And so in order for Jesus to be a perfect earthly king, he had to be born of the line of David, and he was. speaks of it right here. But he is also a perfect heavenly king. And here's what the angel said to Mary a little bit later on in that same passage. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One born will be called the Son of God. There's something holy here. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in Mary's life. This is the Holy One born. He is the Son of God. He is the heavenly king and the earthly king because Jesus was born a perfect king. And he also lived as a perfect king. You know, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God from the moment he stepped on the scene in his ministry. 93 different verses. And, and as Jesus lived his perfect sinless life, that's what Hebrews 4 teaches us, he taught the values of this kingdom. So so he mentioned the kingdom. He lived a perfect life. He taught the values. And he lived out those values right in front of all those who are watching as only a perfect king can do. And one of the most amazing and beautiful uniquenesses about Jesus living as a perfect king is that he never did anything that, you know, kind of didn't go before us. In other words, he doesn't, he doesn't call us to do anything that he first wasn't willing to do. In fact, when we see his life, he doesn't ask his subjects to do what he didn't first model for them. And I want you to know that is the uniqueness of King Jesus. Because I think kings in our world, kings in our culture, they make a point of saying, I don't do the things that other people do. Why? Because I'm the king. But Jesus came, born into a manger, And and gave his life for us, lived his life in such a way as to serve mankind. And so when Jesus calls us to something, he calls us through his modeling. And I think that is so unique and so beautiful. And Jesus also died as a perfect king, leading the charge of the kingdom. That's what he did. He led the charge of the kingdom and he died to fulfill it to bring it and to preserve it through his sacrifice now the gates of heaven are open to all who will bear the name of this king amen that's good I think it's really good preaching Andy you're doing a great job today on Christmas Sunday I am blessed okay so number four sorry inside voice um Jesus rose as a perfect and eternal king. Uh, I know it's not Easter, but the Bible tells us that Jesus lived, he was born, he lived, he died, and after his death, he rose again. We'll save that for April. You can come back and be with us. But because of that whole scenario, because of that whole reality, that whole truth, the verses that we were reading from Isaiah are so much more true. Uh, Pastor Lucas was reading about the wonderful counselor and all that. We'll get to that in a second. But in, in Isaiah 9, verse 7, it says this, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. You realize that the kingdom of Jesus, the, 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 the kingship of Jesus is eternal and perfect. And, and I, I just think that that is so powerful. Jesus is a powerfully unique king because there is no end to his rule. And subjects of the kingdom are being born today. Amen? And this kingdom continues. It goes on without end. And someday will cover the whole of the earth. His rule is unique because he rules with perfect love. Wow. Ah, oh, I, I feel the necessity in my own soul to just pause there for a minute. Because you can rule in a lot of ways. And a king that's this powerful, I mean, man, when you look at the book of Revelation, he comes and he's blazing fire and a white horse and the sword coming out of his mouth. I mean, there's this image of the strength and the power of Jesus in the book of Revelation. But when we see it here, what we have to understand is he chose love as his mechanism to rule. That is so powerful, so powerful. Why? Because perfect love drives out fear, the Bible says, so you can approach this eternal king. Because perfect love drives out fear and because perfect love gives. That's why 1 John says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Oh, Jesus, how you have loved us. You know, he didn't, Established his rule by sitting on a throne. He established his rule by hanging on a cross. That's the uniqueness of King Jesus. His royalty is based on sacrificial love, and friends, that changes the world. It certainly can change your life. I mean, we can look around, we can see kingdoms all over this world. You know, we're a we're citizens of a country, we live in this land, we can look across the globe and we can see all kinds of kingdoms. And so you might say, Well, where is the rule of Jesus? Is it in these small pockets in these little communities? And Yeah, yeah, I get it. It's 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 spiritual, not physical. But I, I want you to understand something. If there is one place that Jesus wants to establish his throne, It's in the hearts of people. Because when we understand the kingdom of God, we understand that when we when we talk about Jesus as King, we understand that his home is heaven. But his throne is your heart. It's your heart. Other kings say, yield to my power. Bow to my throne. Submit to my leadership. View my military might. But the most outstanding uniqueness of Jesus is that Jesus will only rule your heart by choice, never by force. Ah, you decide. You decide today. You decide in this moment to let him sit on the throne of your heart. And it isn't hard because that verse that Pastor Lucas read has become so dear to us this time of the year. It's not hard to let Jesus rule, King Jesus to rule, sit on the throne of your heart. Why? Because he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's a king I want to serve. Amen? Amen. That's the king I want on the throne of my heart. (sighs) That's the king I need so desperately. You know, um, I wanna make just just a point. Let me share a little concept with you. There was um, this military British um, naval officer named Admiral Nelson, and in the late 1700s, he was really ruling the seas. But he had this distinction about him. That he would show kindness to all of the captains that he conquered. And the, the story goes that there was once a, a captain that he conquered, and this conquer knew, or this captain knew that um, that Admiral Nelson would be kind to him. And so when they met, he extended his hand to him, and this um, British admiral said something that was so profound. He said, first your sword, then your hand. And when I think about Jesus, there's a challenge and a reward in the idea of him being king. And I think 1 Peter 3.15 kind of gives us the picture. And so let me share it with you. Peter says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In other words, make him king in your heart. And then it goes on to say, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I want you to see, you know, in the same theme as Admiral Nelson, Jesus says to us, first your heart, then my hope. Revere Christ in your hearts. Set him as Lord in your heart. And and the exchange, the challenge in the exchange is hope. Hope, hope in a world that doesn't offer us much hope. Jesus says, give me your heart and I'll give you my hope. That's a wonderful exchange, friends. So here we come together. And I just sense that in the house, that's what we want to do. We want to say yes, Jesus. We want to say yes. And you know, I just love the way the Sundays Sundays have fallen this year. Because I was sharing this with with some, some of our staff um, often there's a press between Sunday and Christmas Eve because it doesn't matter when Christmas Eve is, it's Christmas Eve, right? So sometimes, you know, it's like Sunday and then Christmas Eve is Monday or Christmas Eve is Tuesday or, or whatever. It's early. It feels like, oh, it's all, they're almost connected, you know? But I just feel like what the Lord has given to us as a gift this year, is he's given us this Sunday to consider Christ as King. And then he's given us Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday and Friday and Saturday to just work out the practical positioning of Jesus here. You've got a really precious week to just let the tenderness and the love of King Jesus saturate your life. Wow. Wow. That's precious, it's special, and I know it's what I need. So let's engage that together this week. Pray with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, Lord Jesus, King Jesus, we're again captured by the uniqueness of who you are. And, And I know that there are those that are here today and they've had to wrestle with the dilemma of where you fit in their lives. And I I just pray for those today who are saying, I'm making my heart your throne, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, help them, Lord. Help them as that decision comes to just settle upon them even now. And for us, us who may feel like our relationship with Jesus is established and growing, I pray that you would just impact us with the beauty of living as a subject of King Jesus. Yes, Lord. We're in your kingdom. And I pray this week, Lord, the next six days, would just be a time for us to reacquaint and to settle into, and to just soak in the love and and the leadership of King Jesus. Establish your throne in us, Lord. Establish it in my heart. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.